Transform the way you hunt with the all-new Bay Cellular Trail Camera connected by the Moultrie Mobile app. Moultrie Mobile's industry-best app gives you complete control over your camera settings, up-to-the-minute updates from the field, and other interactive scouting tools on your smartphone or computer. Features like weather forecast, advanced species recognition, interactive maps, and a whole lot more. For more information and to make your purchase, visit www.moultriemobile.com. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of the Pennsylvania Woodsman. Uh, heck of a week going on here for me, guys. Um, I was able to punch two tags in very short order. So last Saturday, a week ago, as this one airs, I was able to uh, knock a doe down. Uh, pretty cool hunt. I saw eight deer that night and I thought I was going to come real close on uh, one specific doe and for whatever reason before she crossed property lines to get to where I needed her to go to shoot she decided to turn around and head the other way and I thought the hunt was up and out of nowhere uh, four more came in and presented me with a about a 22 yard shot and it was kind of surprising I, I aimed I've, I've really been in this mindset of trying to program my mind to execute shots and aim in that lower third and aim for the heart and uh, I've, I've been doing a pretty good job here lately I, I think for the most part and I, I put the put the pin right on the the heart of this deer she was slightly quartered away and shot and she didn't flinch uh, not at all not even in the slightest and I was kind of concerned that I actually shot too low and I, I, I didn't know if I if if I actually hit where I wanted or if I was slightly off and uh, come to find out it ended up being a great shot I hit the bottom third of her heart it was a very low shot and uh, I, I, I glanced off of the, the shoulder bone a little bit because there was there was chips out of that and you know my arrow ended up breaking but uh, able to get enough penetration to actually pass through the chest cavity and it was kind of sticking out both sides of the deer and then she broke my arrow off, but went about 100 yards. I was getting a little nervous, trailed that up, and uh, it was great. So that was off to a great start. I was happy to, to fill that tag. And uh, just a few nights later, on Tuesday night this week, I was able to punch my buck tag. So um, as I said before, I think in a you know, week or two ago on one of our episodes, I had a great encounter with a buck the opening night of our season. And it was a deer that I, I underestimated when I looked at him in trail camera photos. And when he stepped out in the field, it was clear that he met my personal goals and objectives. I believed him to be a large deer, a four-year-old. And I just took too long to decide. And it was un, wasn't a great situation with it being dark and windy and it was uh, rainy and it was just not a good situation. I just decided that at the distance he was, I would pass that shot. But I said, you know, if I would ever run into that deer again, I would uh, I would take that opportunity. And uh, sure enough, Tuesday night I had uh, had a nice buck come in that was either a really really big two year old or was a was an okay three year old. Um, nice buck uh, stepped out and he was feeding in front of me for a good ten minutes. Uh, maybe longer, 10, 15 minutes, and he started looking up, started looking up the hill, 
uh, a lot. Like he'd go down, he'd, he'd munch a little bit, and he'd pick his head up, and he was looking in the same direction. I'm thinking, there's another deer coming. I'm like, man, I hope it's a shooter. And uh, this buck steps out, and uh, immediately when I looked at him, I was like, that is a significantly larger deer. It might be a shooter. Threw my binoculars up. I always 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 have my binoculars i feel naked if i do not have binoculars when i hunt i mean they're like one of my most important tools like when i go out in early season a lot of time like it's bow release um binoculars range finder and i'm set like that's that's my main pieces of equipment that i want to have at this time of year but anyway i threw my glass up and i was like that's that buck i saw opening night I'm like, I'm absolutely going to shoot this deer if he gives me an opportunity. And he came out and was feeding. He was like 44 yards. Then he was feeding a little closer. Then he was 40. Then he started to feed down. And I, I ranged him at one point, and he was uh, 36 yards. And he he started to kind of get nervous. And, of course, that made me nervous. And I just decided, you know, 36 yards, I'm, I'm comfortable with that shot. And situated myself for the shot and I had a I had a great um great draw great hold I took my time um you know I've talked about it on my show I've I've really struggled over the years with target panic and I've really really struggled with it at target panic on game and the way I've been able to kind of combat that in my mind in my mental game is I still shoot my hinge release when I hunt and that's just work for me, but it's been, it's allowed me it, for whatever reason that release just forces my mind to slow down and pick a spot and concentrate on shooting. And, and it, it, I, I just, I lose that ability in my mind to put my finger on the trigger. And when I get close and I get excited to slap it, I just, I re, I might, I don't do that with that release. So Anyway, I'm, I'm aiming and I'm, I'm looking at this deer. I'm like, I definitely, at this distance, I want to be aiming at his heart. I want to be aiming low and uh, pulled through the shot. Had a great surprise release. And holy cow, did he duck. Um, I would say, I don't think I'm exaggerating. Based on where I believe I was aiming, assuming that I didn't miss, um, I think that deer easily move 10 inches out of the way by the time I got there. Now, having said that, um, it's, I'm human. It's very possible that I missed, um, all, you know, where I was aiming intently. One thing I've learned, and I've talked about this with some other experienced archers who, you know, I have a lot of respect for and, and look up to, um, is if w- when you're under pressure like that, under, you know, target, uh, target practice in uh, competition, um, which I don't have a lot of experience in, but um, shooting at game, it, like missing high is common when you're when you're nervous, and uh, so so it's definitely possible that if I if I think I was aiming at the heart, it's possible maybe I missed a few inches high and he didn't duck as bad. But in my mind, I mean, I was able to have a fantastic release, and he really really ducked. And um, I, I like I said, I believe it was 10 to 12 inches, and. Uh, fortunately, unfortunately, however you want to look at it, I hit him in the spine, dropped him right where he was, and I rushed out of the field. I rushed out into the, the field that he was in to uh, to put a second arrow in him, and I had like major deja vu flashback to a deer that 
this happened to me years ago. Um, gosh, this was back in college. I had a buck that I shot, <clears throat> and uh, similar situation, similar distance, really ducked the arrow, and uh, yeah, I was using, at the time I had been using expandable broadheads, I was using a Grim Reaper broadhead, which did a did a good job when I used them, but one thing I learned and I've seen in a couple of other YouTube videos is that when they expand and when they come in contact with any bone, they really don't get a ton of penetration from my experience. And I'm speculating that when I shot this buck, the broadhead opened up and one of the blades, I'm assuming, clipped his spinal cord, the spinal column, and he, he dropped in the field. And in my, you know, in my excitement, I was thinking I got him. I just got to take my time and make a good second follow-up shot and kill this deer. And before that happened, he got up and took off running. And it was the most sickening feeling I think I've ever felt in in all this. I mean, I'm, I mean, I've I've missed deer, I've wounded other deer, and it, it's all sickening. But that was probably out of all the arrows I've ever released on a deer, that was the one that was like, oh my, you've got to be kidding. And when when this happened with this buck this week that I shot, it was it was kind of like a deja vu flashback, and I was like rushing around like a madman, like I literally drew my bow and ran up right to the deer and uh, shot him. And and you know it sounds kind of funny listening to me say that, but I mean I I never ever want to see an animal go through any suffering. I want it to be as quick and as as painless as possible. And uh, get that over so second shot and he expired and i was i was ecstatic um you know i, I posted some pictures of uh the buck on my instagram page if you'd like to check it out it's uh it's not like a huge high scoring buck it's a it's a nice respectable eight pointer but what what fancied me so much with this deer is you know i've said before i was trying to shoot a buck that i thought was like a four-year-old or older and i i believe that this buck was every bit that he uh, he ended up live weight was a 225 pound deer and uh you know from my experience that's a that's a, just one more thing that helps me solidify that it was a big mature deer he was long and uh really filled out so i was i'm i'm ecstatic i mean i'm i'm done here in october it's hard to believe that it's over that quick i mean i still have the ability to go shoot some doe and I have uh, have bear season. You know, I'm I'm looking forward as as we're speaking. You know, we had Todd Bromley last week chatting about his uh, bear hunting experience and talking about archery hunting, and we've got you know the rest of the archery bear season lined up, and we always have our, our rifle bear season and we've got the extended season. You know, I've got opportunity there. I'd love to say that I'm going to just switch gears and I'm going to go pound the pound the woods and and be you know pursuing bear. I just don't know that it's actually going to happen. I just don't know that with the work schedule that I have and the uh, the commitments that I have outside of the hunting world that I'm actually going to be able to do it on a consistent basis. But I'm going to try my hardest. You know, I'd, I'd also love to say that I'm going to step out and take some time to go to another state. You know, I've gotten some invites to Ohio, and I, I've, I've been looking at trying to... Uh, trying to stay with some friends in Maryland and, and maybe try some of the public land down there. And it all sounds great in my head, but the logistics and actually going through with it, 
I'm not there. It's just in my mind, but I've I've done nothing to prepare and actually do that. So we'll see how this this uh, the rest of this hunting season unfolds with respect to that. But um, you know, I, again, I'm excited and uh, I, I've I've talked about it a little bit before, and it kind of leads me into our guest that we spoke with um, a few weeks back. Um, we, we were uh, this this guest that we talked about. We talk a lot about big woods hunting, and I've. I'm on a kick at some point in my hunting career. I really want to try to kill a a mature buck with my bow, um, big woods, north woods at camp. It's just something about that. I really want to do that. And uh, this past, uh, you know, the, the, the day before I shot the doe, uh, f- uh, Friday a week ago, I took the time to go on a scouting mission in uh, at, at where, where my camp is and some of that that state forest land and I, I put a bunch of cameras out and was looking around and just kind of calculating stuff and I'm I'm learning that I, I think that prior history and that scouting now is it's gonna do a lot for me in the future whenever I decide to try to push it a little bit harder and and hunt in those locations um, I've heard other people talk about that I've actually listened to Bo Martonic on the East Meets West Hunt podcast, and he talks a lot about some of those areas that he's hunted. I mean, he he takes a few years of getting trail camera data to make a calculated decision on how and when to hunt certain places in the big woods, and that makes so much sense because it is kind of overwhelming and daunting when you start to break down giant pieces. And uh, this, the guest that we're having this week is somebody who fits that script very well. Um, it's Johnny Stewart. He, uh, you know, for those of you who don't know Johnny Stewart, Johnny is uh, a great guy. He's from Western Pennsylvania, but he is a guy that just is, I mean, when you think of people who are extreme in their tactics and their, uh, lifestyle, when it comes to whitetails, there's, there's probably a couple people that come to your mind. And Johnny Stewart for me is one of those people. He he's spent so much time in the woods, different parts of the country, but he still keeps gravitating back towards big woods in the eastern part of the country. And, you know, he does really good in in northern Pennsylvania and western Pennsylvania and Ohio and West Virginia and and all these places. And he's he's just a a steward of the whitetail. He's a very artistic mind. And he's he's somebody who really thinks outside the box. And we kind of go through a conversation hunting big woods in Pennsylvania, and we kind of touch all the all the all the parts of the season. You know, we kind of go from archery season on through into the late season. You know, by the end of the conversation, we're talking about stuff that hopefully you'll be able to apply if you're still chasing stuff in December and January in the flintlock season. And he's somebody that you know, he has an excavation business, and in the past he hasn't spent as much time hunting in October just because he's been working so diligently. Um, trying to buy some time to hunt and he, he's done really well in that late season so we kind of talk you know general speaking of deer hunting and managing pre- uh, trying to find pressure and the hunting pressure and hunting around it finding sign and uh, just just thinking outside the box when it comes to approaching mature whitetails in the timber whether that is um, just specifically honing in on a specific deer or maybe you're just 
in a general sense, looking for a mature deer and trying to set yourself up in a high odds situation. So a great conversation with Johnny. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this one. It's a longer one. Uh, Johnny is a, is a, is a chatty character and uh, I've been known to talk a little bit long-winded sometimes too, but he's one of those people that I, I just wanted to keep asking questions and, uh, and just let him divest as much information out of that mind of his as possible. So I hope you enjoy this episode this week. Um, real quick before we get started, just a shout out to Little Mountain Outfitters. Guys, uh, Little Mountain Outfitters is an archery shop in Richland, Pennsylvania that just does a fantastic job with getting everybody set up in uh, working order and being efficient with the equipment they have to go out into the field. Uh, whether you need to tune your compound up, buy a new one, get a crossbow, um, check out mobile hunting gear, check out their <clears throat> their trail cameras, their dealer in Radix and a couple of other cameras. They also have Rambo e-bikes. They're just a one-stop shop for everything in the fall, especially when it comes to this archery season. They've got great hours throughout the hunting season. They work with you. They're, they're on, they answer their phones, and they're fantastic boat technicians. So, guys, if you need to, now, if any of that's something you need here in season, um, you know, replacing stuff, whatever that may be, they're, they're a great shop. They're a great resource with a wealth of knowledge, and I suggest that you check them out. And with that, let's get to this week's episode. All right. Well, then we're live, and I got an exciting guest with me, one I've been excited I got to connect with on Instagram. I got the Johnny Stewart, man. How are you? Pretty good, Mitchell. I'm doing well. Are you... It's that time of year, summertime, grinding away, working, slaving, so um, just so we can have the winter off or, you know, more time off to, to hunt. So are you still grinding like you always were when you were a kid, kind of just, you know, balls to the wall, you know, 15, 16, 17 hour days trying to keep it so you can have that fall off? What's that look like this time of year? Oh man. You know what? Yesterday I looked down at my phone. I have an excavation business and I got two or three jobs going on and I don't have a ton of employees. Um, Cause the more you got, the more headaches I feel like it is. And then, you know, when you get out to go hunting, I just it interferes with my hunt. So I get a few guys I take care of, but, um, I looked at my phone yesterday, like not just not including working on a job and jumping to different jobs, but I, it was like 85 phone calls or text in and out all day. Like, that's what it is like for me, like setting up other jobs, ordering material, calling this job. And it's like, and, and then I'm doing all that and working, but that's kind of the way, um, uh, I'm able to take the time off in the winter. You know, I kind of s- store my nuts up right now like a squirrel. You know, I stash them so um, I can pay my bills in the winter and I can hunt. So, yeah, my, it's my goat. It's not what I like to do, you know, but to have that time off, I need money in a bank. So, yeah, it's, uh, and I had my own excavation. This is like my eighth year. And so that's tough because I've been, I'm kind of like plateauing now. I've just kind of grown my business the first seven years and, was wanting to think about getting bigger and I'm just like, you know what? I don't want all the headaches. So I'm just kind of plateauing, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's all good. You know, it's work. Um, good deal. So, yeah. did, did it, uh, did transitioning to your own business go the way you thought it would expected it would, did it, did you get the benefits out of that, that you were really expecting? And, and I, I kind of say that jaded towards the hunting aspect of it, or did it just create a whole new can of worms for you? It was uh, being your being a you know a business owner or a boss or whatever you might call it is way more headaches. I think 
I, I did excavating. My dad had a business and, and that. So I've been doing this type of work for 30 years, you know, since I was little. But um, I think if I found like a someone that I could work for and have all that time off in the winter and make them, I probably would do it just because having your own business, it's so many headaches. It's, mm. you know, the cost, the bills. Um, but once I started in it, I'm not a quitter. I'm not giving up. So it's like I started one, two, three years. Like, man, this is tougher than I thought, but I'm not giving up, you know, so um, just making the best of it, so. Good deal. So one of the things that I was, you know, going through, thinking about things I wanted to ask you, and I got a list of stuff that I, I wanted to dive into, but, you know, we've talked with a bunch of people here recently. We talk about the the progress or the evolution of, of how a hunter, you know, becomes from, you know, shooting your first deer, shooting your first buck and, and going after, you know, a certain caliber of deer, maybe going after certain ter- terrain places or, or adventure or stuff like that. I'm really curious, you know, after listening to all the success stories you've had um, on other podcast shows and stuff, I really want to know in your mind, where are you in your hunting career and journey? Well, I know <clears throat> being that I started my excavation business for hunting, it kind of exhausted me growing my business to like, I feel like there's a hundred percent of you. And I, I, you know, through the summer growing my excavation business and running, it took like so much 90% of me. So like, I feel like the last few years, my hunting was just that it was hunting. I mean, there's hunting. It was enjoy. I was enjoying hunting. It wasn't all about harvesting an animal. And I feel like uh, now that I'm leveling my business out, I feel like I'm going to maybe start. Because it's tough if you hunt these big mountains or public land like I do and sense an issue mentally and physically. It's a tough sport, um, if you want to call it a sport, to where it takes a lot out of you. And, and, you know, if you put so much effort into your whatever you do elsewhere in life, you know, I feel like it's as a pie, you know, graph. It's just like, hey, I exhausted myself working and I just I don't have much left in me. Um, I didn't have the drive and the motivation. I enjoyed hunting. Like I, I love all as- aspects of it. You know, I love the fall. I love to see the snow and and uh, be out there. And in you know, the last six seven years, I haven't killed a lot of deer, but I was helping other people. Like see other people have that enthusiasm that I had um, when I get a deer and, and that drive they had. And I just wasn't you know the last few years I wasn't there in my career, uh, my hunting career. I would say just because I spend a lot of myself in, in the work mode um but who always tell talks to me are you in hunting mode or are you in work mode because <laughs> it'll be like october so i'm in work mode and i can't get out of it and you get into that groove and you just keep in that rut you can't get out but um when i would get out it was just like you know with and i and i think what i did the last few years not like killing or hard worrying about harvesting deer I, I spent tons of time knowing and i always talk about knowing more about your quarry your animal that you're hunting where sometimes I would, you know, it wasn't about harvesting a deer. I just wanted to know what was over there. I checked more cameras, um, maybe just moved to different spots. My buddy said, you move a lot. I said, you know what? I, I want to know. I'm not, I'm, I was in that, you know, the last few years in that uh, mindset that I wanted to know everything about what was going on because you take these mature deer that you're hunting. They know as much as they possibly can about their environment you know, the hunting pressure where the predators are, the food is, the does are. And like, like I wanted to get to that point, you know, I could have probably harvested deer just on the fact that I knew good spots and, uh, 
I could have hunted them and probably harvested deer, but that's not where I was in, in my career. I was wanting to know more and more, like, and I think it's a wormhole, and I just like that because I feel like you're never going to reach the end, and you're always learning, and my brain's growing and thinking. Um, but I think there was a plus side to it. It wasn't all, you know, that I feel like, you know, you scout a lot, whether it's through the summer, spring, summer, for that year maybe, or you do it as a, like, I scouted a lot for the last eight years, indulged into that scout to where now I'm seeing a bigger picture. And, you know, I think maybe this year I might um, get more into harvesting deer in different states, really, because it's been a few years since I did that. And I did a lot of scouting. It's like maybe this year I'll focus more on, you know, killing some some deer instead of just maybe shooting one or, or having to let them go or seeing other people have success, you know. But I think, uh, it's all like a full circle deal because there is a lot like I think I put so much effort in the last few years every little time I had to scout and be in the woods and it wasn't so much about like shooting my bow a lot or having my stand everything quiet it was just like I just had to get out there and and be in the woods and learn you know but I think um but I think it was a good thing because you then I, if you don't harvest a deer then you're still out there hunting all year and I remember Bo said to me one time it was like January's like, Bo, you want to go hunt? He's like, I'm kind of wore out. I'm like, what? You can never be wore out. I'm like, it's never ending. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I said, you're missing, you know, like what you don't see not being in a forest has the, it changes for deer. They have from fall to winter, rifle season, whatever it may be, you know, PA bear season, late season, muzzle loader. It just slowly is changing every, even on sometimes a daily basis, weekly. Um, it's not so, you know, you take the summer and they're just kind of growing through the summer feed and, and then it's just so many trans things happen out there that, you know, in the fall, the, the, the fruits ripe or whatever it may be in the best and leaves fall and breeding and then rifle season, bear season, then snow. And it's just like so much is going on that, um, they got to kind of keep shifting gears. And, and I think I'm to the point now where I'm starting to see, and I, I always talk in different podcasts, how, when I was younger, I read magazines and it was like, I think the thing that got stuck in, stuck in my head was following a, a trail, like trails, point A to point B, feeding the bed. And I, somehow I just kept reading that. And I was like, well, this is going to be easy. I'm going to find the heaviest trail and sit on it, you know. Fast forward, you know, 30 some years, it's like, I don't even want to see a trail, you know, in a big woods. It tells me like in my head, it's like, hey, there's deer here, does younger deer i just feel like there are other you know even from bill spartan forge is um reading you know deer data and how the, they're just like a different um species these mature deer that yeah. you know we need to go over you go after and it's kind of feel like it's like a kind of hot spots you know like you're going to catch them there's no and that's what's great about it it's never ending you're it's not you know it's not like i know he beds here he feeds here and his does are here it's like you can't narrow it down in this type of habitat that we're hunting in these mountains in Pennsylvania, um, the bigger woods and, and what have you. It's it's especially when you got browse and 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 cover a lot of cover. It's just they're kind of like they have different areas they feel safe. And they got different areas the does are, and then if he's like over here, you know. And I always talk about how they're not all. It's not always like. Um, everything is not a reason. There's not always a reason for him to get up and move. It might be just he needs to stretch his legs. Like if you take a ride, a Sunday drive uh, with your wife, you know, where are you going to go? I don't know. Let's just take a ride. You know, it's not 
there's not always a reason for them to move other than, you know, they bed for a while, they move, um, it, you know, they might be browsing along the way, but there's, it's not always like, well, where's he going? He might, he might not have a thing in his mind. You know, you might take a ride and clear your head, you know, uh, where are you going? I don't know. Just taking a ride, you know, and it's not always that. And I'm starting to see like how they live their life is uh, we can really relate to. I mean, yeah, there's your food. You're going to go to the grocery store. You're going to go here and they, they know where to get that stuff and you can help fill in the blanks of where he likes, where he likes to be. But a lot of these places that like where you're maybe hunting and where I am, it's not like this is his bedroom. You know, that doesn't exist. No, it definitely you know? doesn't exist. I've been seeing that so many times. And I'd shared with you when we had got, uh, right before we got started here, um, my niche has been private land. Um, I'm fortunate. I have a couple really good pieces of property in Southeast Pennsylvania, where I'm from. And uh, I, I get to do a lot of habitat improvement. I love food plots. I love talking mm-hmm. that type of strategy. Been successful, been on some big deer, but I've just found a new love and a new passion. And that's uh, up at camp. There's something about the, the tradition upstate, having that cabin, having family, having history in these mountains and talking about the ridge over here and the swamp over here and yeah. all this and hearing the stories of my grandfather and like, I, you know, being a part of that. So I've kind of taken a, a, a new a new leap in trying to learn how to do that. Now I've been successful. I've, I've been on some good deer. I killed, I killed some with the rifle. I'd like to kill one with the bow. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I'd like you to like to dive in with you is I've had this mindset when you hunt private land and you're confined to borders, I got to do everything I possibly can to keep a mature deer within the borders that I can hunt and not bust him out of there I've, I've created all this attraction and i want him to stay there and then pounce on that when i have an opportunity when the wind's right when the weather's right yada 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 and i'm going to try to be efficient in that and what i think i feel has burned me in some cases is when i go to um, navigate a piece of public land and i'm talking some of the places that i'm hunting you know one track might be thirty-five thousand acres and i'm starting to go uh, and check this spot out and check this spot out i feel like i'm kind of tiptoeing easing my way into the edge and then i find myself you know doing exactly what you just said earlier in this episode like man i I should check what's out on the other side over there what's over there and i'm I'm always afraid i'm going to bust out a mature deer but I've I've kind of wondered what your philosophy is because it seems like you know eight years of scouting you've had to learn a lot. I mean, where's the happy medium, especially for somebody like me who has a limited amount of time? Um, well, I think like in my situation, in the, like the last seven eight years, have my business. It was like it was like I said, it was a never ending thing. Okay, maybe I did bump them out, but I still got late season. Okay, and I still got next year. You know. Um, but as far as someone that maybe don't have have the time that much time, I, I feel like these mature deer um, know, like and I always say the word K N O W. No, no, like they know. So I want to get to that point. They know what the threat is. They know where it's coming. Um, they know how to escape. They know, like I can say the word no so many times in their like existence what they do they know they know they know they know so you being in the forest hiking if it ain't you it might be the next guy you know um i mean there's situations where you're going to get way back deep where nobody goes 
Um, and then he might just be curious. Oh, what's this guy doing way back here? But you get into the areas. I do gravitate more toward pressured areas because I use that to my advantage. And I get to know where the hunters are just like that animal does. And I kind of, you know, if you know every inch of your land over so many years, you put that time in. But I always talk about them like little nooks that they can, you know, maybe when the pressure's on in general, they go to these spots. But they also can live in some covered area that has escape routes. And then you come in and, you know, they just might do a little circle and listen. And, at, you know, if you're out hiking, don't be act like a predator so much just do your hiking i don't worry usually don't worry about being like you're sweating summertime in the fall um and it probably also comes with me not having the time to try to get sent free to scout but i feel like you know if you're in the summertime it's not a big effect but even going into the fall maybe into the hunting season i mean he already knows you know it's that's it like he knows what's happening you're you're not going to make him stop living his life and how he exists in them woods because he knows you exist he knows what you're up to you know and he's still living with you mm -hmm. hunting pressure you know so i don't get too worried about it i mean there are situations i feel like you know and i always talk about how it's um I might say something in one situation, the complete opposite, but you just kind of, kind of feel the situation, use your judgment when you're there. Um, but, um, I mean, there might be situations where you like, I would sneak in and, and check a spot. Maybe sure. if you're going to, you know, not get too close to where you think maybe it is that nook that he's hiding. And you might want to just kind of like my one buddy, Tom, I learned a lot of tracking. He was like, you just want to probe. You want to kind of, whether it is hunting or just scout, you just want to kind of go like this and not, you know, sometimes you get into the fall. If it's, if you think he's there, you know, um, just kind of probe the area and check it from a distance or with the right wind. Cause you might be, it might, you might, we're talking about where it's at his safe zone. Maybe when the pressure's on, mm -hmm. you know, just kind of probe around and, and check those, those areas in that way. Let me let me backtrack with you a little bit because you're you're flirting around with a with a question that I had. So we'll backtrack just a second and kind of dive into this a little bit more. So, you know, with a lot of these big woods of public land, um, it can be extremely overwhelming, especially for somebody like me who I, I would consider myself more of a a novice when it comes to the big woods. It can be overwhelming trying to dissect such large pieces of timber. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, you've got uh, different vegetation types, you got different habitat types, you got terrain features, you got chop-offs versus old-growth forests versus median, like all sorts of different things that you're going through. And everybody has their own philosophy, and I'm kind of wondering, um, not necessarily how you pick a spot you want to scout, how do you go about finding the spots that you right away i'm going to cross this off my list or i'm at least going to put this toward the bottom of the list of where i'm going to spend my time trying to find a mature buck i think uh first thing i do is look at where and, and i always talk about um there's three things i feel a deer needs he either needs some type of terrain features to get mature to get old and survive cover some type of terrain features or something so inaccessible i mean it could be a a flat field that's a mile long and he could lay in the middle, you know, like live, you know what I'm saying? Something access inaccessible. 
something you can't get at and maybe it's a body of water or something it's so deep in the woods that you can't get to them or um the cover or some rugged terrain up and down and you know some other states i've been in west virginia you just can't they use them terrain features to escape more you know but i kind of look for them things you know and and sometimes smaller tracks but usually talking larger tracks like like start there and you know in northern pa a lot of the areas that i hunt it has a lot of cover to beach brush hemlocks and stuff like that to where the cover's there and i've seen it 15 years ago like i grew up hunting up there and then you know it was browsed heavy and then it just kind of slowly i was like then i started going up north and hunting and it was like whoa this is going to get good I could feel it. I could sense it just because the guys like you you can't get, you're not going to be able to get these deer. And, you know, in the old time, they, they want to be able to see rifles or want to see hundreds mm-hmm. of yards through the woods. So then they'll sit in these open areas and the bucks are going to gravitate toward the, the cover. But remember the first things I, I, I want to find something inaccessible where a hunter's not going to go or, or it's so rugged and it can be like a combination or like the cover. So I look at that and then access, like I said, I, I look where are the where's your general hunting pressure going to be you know and then if it's archery season you know there's a lot of good information out there now on hunting archery hunting a lot of good hunters out there mm. you know some, some of them get them good spots um but i always like having more than one spot because you yourself could burn the you could be the good you could be the good hunter but you make a mistake and he's on to you you know and that's why i say hunting usually the worst thing that you could do because you're you're acting like a predator as far as scouting i think it's less invasive you're making the noise and but they know they know you're there mm. you know when, when and and that goes against what i would say about them know and know and know then you're up in a tree hiding and they don't know that just to me it's like bad you know so there's hunters out there that are good hunters but be careful not to just I mean, there's certain, and I find myself in different situations. Some situations are easier to hunt than others, different deer. But if you get in a situation uh, where you got to kind of walk a tightrope to where, you know, gotta, this situation, he got the wind, everything in its favor. You got to be careful. You know, he might be downwind and you're just kind of playing at edge and he might smell. You got to be, you got to have, an, you got to have different angles, a bunch of spots you know, to, to, to catch these deer because they're not, um, you know, like I said, they know so much of what's going on. And then if you get a good hunter in there and he, he kind of just makes one wrong move. So having a, a fair amount of areas kind of knowing where the hunters are, mm-hmm. where they're in general going to go. And a lot of times now it's the good spots, with these hunters, because they know how to read sign, they read the scrapes, they read the rubs that doesn't mean that deer's there during the daylight, you know, is he um, maybe nocturnal? So I feel like I talk about like these little nooks and these little seams where they, they know it might be 200 yards, 100 yards from a guy's tree stand where these, they flirt, you know, this area and, and skirt it and just kind of um, stay out of sight or out of, you know what I mean? But um, I can start sensing where, your average hunters are going to go, you know, your clear cuts and easy accessible and, and stuff like that. Even though the signs there, um, I, I might start like shadow in that area just because I feel like 
at some point, if you're hunting a six-year-old deer, he knows that someone's going to hunt that area, or that's likely. So he, he might I know they live by association to where he's like, you know, and then he starts seeing, if he always sees or smells someone in a clear cut, he's going to be really hesitant about in clear cuts, even though that's where all everybody talks about hunting, that's where the browse, that's where the food, that's where everything's happening, those are. But every time he goes in there, if he smells someone in different clear cuts, you know, different part of the county or wherever he, he hikes and it's like he's not going to want to go in clear cuts unless it's nighttime where he might smell you know get downwind of it so i'm even hesitant about some of these clear cuts i know the one my buddy i turned him on to it because i quit hunting it because there was guys in there and it just was kind of dead for mature deer and then he ended up hitting i put him in there and he hit a big buck and i went in there it was rubbed up tore up i'm like you see any hunters like no it's like oh man so always that's another thing with them, them years of scouting. I, you always got to go um, to different areas and check them yearly to see if there is the hunting pressure, mm-hmm. you know, how the habitat changes, the forest changes, and stuff like that. So um, That's a big one. Yeah, I don't even, I just keep, sorry, Mitchell, I just keep going like. No, you're good. I'm, I'm dissecting, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to digest as much as possible and thinking about this, how it relates to some of my own. So, um I feel that like deer hunting and deer hunters, um, there, there's, there's two parts to it. Um, I feel deer hunting can be very scientific. There's this, there's the science behind the animal and there's a lot of people that love to just invest into as much of the science behind the animal and trying to figure out why based on a scientific way. And then I feel like in, in the other half of it, there's hunting is an art. I mean, there is definitely an art. You've got to have an imagination. You've got to think outside the box. And sometimes mm-hmm. science really doesn't um, clarify the things that we see and we experience in the deer woods. And I, I'm one of those people, I think I gravitate more towards the science. I mean, that's how I, I, I grew up with science-minded things. And that artistic uh, mindset, I think, is really what can put you thinking outside of the box and putting yourself in good situations. So you brought up a good point earlier about terrain features and how uh, mature deer obviously like to use terrain features. That's how they get to that age class. They can evade predation and hunting pressure a lot easier. And in your mind and what you've seen um, from your perspective and not what somebody else thinks, how do you see the, the terrain features, the points, the saddles, the, the ditches, the, this, the, that, how do you see some of the mature deer you've hunted utilize them to their advantage from your perspective? Well, I think points are definitely a really important place for bucks to bed deer in general, but they just have, they, you know, it's just, even sometimes I feel like they just sit up on a point and they're just king of the mountain, you know, and they just kind of, as the draws go back in each side and he might have a couple other mountains, whether, you know, I'm thinking maybe a smaller situation, elevation and mountains to where you could hear, you know, he got his radars, his ears out, and, you know, cold, frosty morning. He might be able to hear from that point, just know what that here comes back to again. No, he knows what's going on all around him. You know, if a car parks down here, he knows this, you know, and then he has escape routes, whether it's straight down the point, he bells off this side or, you know, so there's a lot of advantages for him in, in a point situation. Um, but also steeper hillsides. I think um, if you get too much pressure, I mean, they can stay down low. And then a lot of times thermals come into play where, you know, they might 
use that thermals and stay down low, you know, and I think it's uh, in my situations where if it's hunting pressure, where the hunter's going to be, you know, if, if the hunters are going to be on top on a ridge or something, he's going to stay low until he, the thermals drop and, and, you know, use that to his advantage and go up to the top. I think when I was younger, this man seen the sign on maybe an oak flat or something, but then he's not going to come up there. He don't take no chances. You know, like maybe just a little bench or you in, in a lot of these areas in Pennsylvania, you just got these little humps and bumps on a hillside, just anything to make a little level spot, you know, and hide behind a big tree it could be wide open um, in, in areas that don't have to have cover, you know, they'll find some big trees or just a blow down the lay down. And, and um, so definitely, and that's kind of steep hillsides to me, like other people, like, you know, they're like, I'm not going down there. So like that right there is like, cause I say, it, you know, and then I'm like, no, I got to go down there, you know? So that's definitely things they use on it. And saddles kind of like, I think even Bill was saying, um, uh, about how back in the day and what he's seen with his deer data. Um, I don't know if anyways, Bill from Spartan Forge, yeah. um, with the, the mapping and the predictions and he's just so intelligent and, and, and reading and, and learning the science or the radio. Like it's not, I don't know. I call him the mad scientist or whatever, but yeah, it's yeah. like he's reading the data, the actuality, not people like when I was younger. I would read magazines and how do I know what this guy's telling me? That's his, not saying it's wrong. It's his opinion, how he sees it, his hunting. And it's different all over the country when you're hunting white tail. They inhibit all types of regions and environments. And, you know, I can't even, you know, so it's different everywhere. But like Bill, his data, you know, shows how the deer actually move. And then he can relate to like wind thermals and, you know, you look at the app. Um, but, um, the uh, saddles, you know, back in the day were the big thing where the deer is a low gap or saddle where they would cross that ridge. I feel like he, in my findings, and that's why I like talking to Bill because he can ask me what I see. And then he like looks at the data. He's like, I'm seeing the same thing. And that makes me feel good because I'm just reading and learning from years of being in a forest with the deer doing and the saddles are, you know, and it, that's why I said. It's grown and evolving, evolving hunting itself and, and whitetail hunters. You gotta be, um, you gotta be out there learning, knowing what's going on. Like there it is again. Know what's going to happen next with the hunting uh, community. How they're, what's their new change? How they people, you know, saddles were a big thing where the deer would cross. And I feel like I never see a mature deer in a saddle. I put cameras on a saddle. Mm. I start bringing them down on that steep hillside. And like to me, in a perfect world, if there was no hunters out there, no predators, they probably just hang out in a saddle because you can just drop in just easy access but i feel like things are changing and that's why i said earlier about trying to be one step ahead and know know where the hunters are and, and how they're evolving and, and getting better and and they, these bucks got to keep up with them so that's that saddles i mean you know and, and we talked earlier about just flat areas i mean it, it's tough to hunt especially if it's if browse i mean they just kind of roam a lot of these deer in Pennsylvania if there isn't a mass. But even if you do got a big flat oak ridge, I mean, they can just kind of roam. Or, um, and I think even some deer may be talking about the ridge, how they're down over on that steep hillside. I think a lot of times I feel like they're just laying down before daylight, waiting for it to get daylight. And then you got your, you know, they get up on that flat where maybe a normal hunter would be. And 
come walking up, he hears her, then he goes down to where he's safe on that steep hillside. So I do like steep slopes, you know, and then check out around points. Um, so they, I mean, they utilize them all to their advantage, but I feel like less saddles, you know, and, and like I said, we're talking about points and they're just some, some, some are so broad it may not even be a point, you know, but it's kind of like King of the Mountain, he's hanging out there, or, you know, then you talk about, I feel like sometimes, um, if it's so windy, you know, and it's not always uh, thermals or or what have you. You figure if it's if it's so windy and he can't hear, maybe it's an area that he knows guys come up on his flat and hunt. Well, he can't hear you coming, so he's not going to lay up there that day. So it might come down to something like that to where if he knows guys hunt it, but it's dead calm, he can hear you coming a mile away. Well, he's just going to hang up there all day and relax and this and that and be like, well, you know, why is this deer bedding up there? And it might be that reason. Then you get a windy, rainy day and oh, he ain't here. You know, even though everything's right in your situation, the, the wind or whatever, it's like it might come down to something like that because he can't hear you, you know. Yeah. He can't hear them predators coming, so he might go down over that hill where nobody's bothering him. You know? So you brought up Bill, Tom, uh, Bill Thompson, interesting guy. We had him on the show here back in wintertime. Uh, really love to pick his brain, would love to do it a whole lot more. And uh, I know you've uh, you've got to spend some time with him. I'm kind of curious, you mentioned the saddles and, and seeing that data and talk about with him. Um, as you've used Spartan Forge and, and that uh, – pretty much uh i'm gonna call it a pioneer app uh it really seems like it's uh it's a big thing paving the way um what has that this is a two-part question what has that app and that data taught you and also what has that solidified in what you previously believed about deer and deer behavior well, I think what it taught me, I think with the maps that he's coming out with, especially in, uh, he's still working on different areas, you know, the imagery, like here where I live near Pittsburgh, and I'm even got a couple pieces of public land down in this area. I'm going to um, start hunting, I think, this year, just if I don't get time to get up my camp, do some hunting maybe in October here. But, man, just seeing how the imagery is far better than any other app, you know, and he's working on different parts, of, I don't know, so much a country or a lot in PA. He's working, he's got a lot, he's serious in East Coast. And, you you know, you can just see deer trails and you can zoom in. And um, some of it's um, just really amazing how, how much you could see. So it, it, we all, I would always talk about in the past how you'd have to get the boots on the ground because your, your whatever mapping app you used to have was just kind of green. You don't see a lot. And you'd have to get down there, and there's. I'm not saying there ain't still stuff hidden that you got to get down and hike, but it's like, like falling down trees and stuff that wasn't there before, you know. And I think getting to know Bill and and how intelligent he is, and and how he um, started using the the deer data to to make the predictions in this, you know, machine learning, and it is really a big help. You know, because he see he sees the same thing I do as like the deer don't have always a reason to move. And, and when he's making these predictions, it's kind of like how I say there's hots the deer are here that so he's he's giving you the best info he can because there is no black and white answer when it comes to hunting these deer. 
So the predictions are a big thing, and it's great because it's working good. He's getting a lot more, you know, and he's still getting more data, and it's working good with other people I talk to and, you know, reply to him how, how like, when the deer are moving, um, when they're moving, the it's and it makes him happy that his his app is helping people. That's all he wants to do is help people. But it's just um, you know the, the predictions. He got way more info than any other. Um, like I know Drews have a deer cat, and it's just like like um, uh, what what on barometer, you yeah. know. And it's like there's not that much to take in account, you know. And, and he's putting all this together and. So that's a like if you get the app like that's worth its weight in gold right there just to see you put it in your zip code see when the deer are moving at, like when they're out in the field why are they out there you look you look at the app and it's it's really and prior cool. to you prior to you using that app did you or I'm assuming to some degree you were kind of like other hunters where everybody kind of had something they gravitated to like man I seem like I see more deer when I got this moon phase or this weather pattern. I mean, did you have anything like that that really made you think deer moved a little bit more and then you could compare it to what you were seeing on a on a full range movement day? Or was there nothing really like that in, in your mind as you evolved to using that app? Yeah, I don't think I never really put a lot into the moon. I felt like that wasn't in a barometer. I mean, you know, I know if there's a heavy storm coming, I, I could like, two or three days, like, I would catch them moving before and after. Like, I, that was probably the only thing I gravitated to before, you know, what Bill's plugging in and uh, all the other stuff he puts in that affects deer movement. Um, but, um, yeah, I never really got to, it was more or less when you had time to hunt, you go out and hunt, mm-hmm. you know. Um, morning, evening, that's when they mainly move. Sure. Um and I think growing up, I did a lot. I, I know when I got into my 20s, I remember I was still stuck on that. And me and my buddies would hunt different states and during the rut. And then we'd always come out of the woods. It was like religious. We'd hunt. We'd get there before daylight. We'd hunt till 10. Come out at noon, you know, 10, 11, noon, 1. Get back, you know, get out noon, eat. And <laughs> go back in the woods at like 1. And I remember for years, we're like, want to get something to eat? Deer running around. Like during the rut, like, man. <laughs> then you know i don't know if just maybe other people or other magazines or articles talked about midday you know and then i'm really sold on midday during the run i feel like mm-hmm. it's been the big deal move you know but um i think just the um on the storm maybe coming in or you know i think that's all i really but i look at it a lot now and i base my out-of-state hunts on what bill's finding his you know and I, that's like I said, if you're if you're gonna go hunt another state, and you want to know when to hunt, you know, look at the app. You know, it could help you decide, you know, what time you want to go there based on what what he's saying. You know, so good deal. Well, let's shift gears in this conversation. So, based on uh, right here, we're in the end of the Ju- end of July right now, and as you're thinking ahead to this fall, um, obviously your your work schedule is probably got some flexibility and not sure when you're going to go from work mode to hunting mode but um what are you right now thinking you're going to have planned out that you'd like to do um this fall uh what states you want to go when do you want to spend time certain locations or like that uh what what types of hunting plans do you have right now 
I, I keep pretty my plans pretty open because I feel like I, I like to go with the flow because I have a fair amount of stakes that I've scouted in the past and it's just like I got things in the back of my head like I, and it all depends on if I tag a deer you know I'm not going to run and hunt out in Kansas or, or whatever or Iowa well I don't have a tag and I or, or like if, if I'm still I mean I might because it's so far away you know and you know Pennsylvania way better so mm. I think we're actually actually I talked to Bill yesterday and and thinking about trying to do a hunt with him early um in North Dakota they open up early yeah I'm kind of looking forward to something different I always wanted to get maybe get a, a velvet deer so so that then and, and like I said I scouted some actually areas here closer to Pittsburgh public ground um just because if my work schedule's kind of hectic through October, I'd like, I, like within 45 minutes, I can get into some public ground, you know. Um, and West Virginia is only like an hour, three, you know, where depending on where you want to go in West Virginia, I'm thinking about doing some more. I haven't hunted West Virginia in a long time, um, just because I feel like I want to get back into hunting and killing some deer. And, and um, you know, in the past six, eight years, it was kind of like, work through october hunt the rut you know and pa then go from there but um yeah i'm thinking about um and that's the thing like where i live and a lot of i can relate to a lot of people that hunt is that i don't have my hunting area you know like i said i'm trying to find places closer like there's a piece of public land 45 minutes from here that i'm going to try it's a new place and then like west virginia are two so pretty much everywhere I go, and then my camp's like two and a half hours north. Mm. You know, I spend definitely time up there unless I tag one here close to home and hit West Virginia and definitely Ohio. I got a place out there, a hunting camp there that that um, I've got to know pretty well, and um, I'm gonna definitely put time out there. And um, so yeah, that's it. Um, are you getting into targeting any specific deer in your mind at this moment in time, or are you more along the lines of targeting certain areas over specific deer? I think this, like, I used to target individual deer a lot when I was maybe 10, 15 years ago, and then I think the last few years, being busy with work, I was always, like, searching for that one deer that I wanted, you know, and, and didn't really worry about killing much and just scouting and looking, and then... I think this year I got good spots and I'm just like, uh, just going to hunt them good spots and, and take advantage of, of what I see. You know, I know, um, there's spots I've been in in the past and there's maybe, you know, there's some good bucks there. So I don't think there's so much individual deer unless something pops up like 160, 170. And then I'm like, I might get back into that gear, but I'm trying to just kill deer. Maybe just, enjoy it you know hunting stuff that gets your heart pumping yeah and enjoy it shoot them tag them drag them the whole nine yards you know what i mean have you Um, found a little bit more enjoyment out of that than you did when you were getting to that point where you're getting so serious and trying to kill the biggest buck in the woods like what's uh what's been your take on that like kind of that transition in your hunting career um i think if you if you get onto one big animal um it's like obsessive, you know, to where that that's it, you know, and that's kind of how I am. Like I'm all or nothing, you know, I'm like 110%. Like, like when I get into work, like, you know, I'm going 12 hours and, and I'm 
I just, like I said, or, or if you get that deer, you find that deer, it's like you drop everything and you just kind of live there, you know, and as much as you can, besides what you have to do in your day to day life besides Mm -hmm. hunting. But, um, I think just hunting spots that you don't have, maybe there's a few bucks, you know, that might come through there. I think it's just enjoyable, maybe a little more relaxing. Um, but it's not so much me, but, but I can enjoy it. Like, um, people ask me what state you like to hunt. And I say, well, whatever state I'm in, you know, I just like all, everything one, about it. Yeah. The next one was, I just like everything about it. So, but I know I, that's my, um, personality type just to be like, find that one deer and just, but it's been a while since I did that. It's like, well, I gotta still, I still want to hunt. So, um, so this year I think I'm going to just enjoy some spots that I, that I know holds some decent deer and, and, and I'll be laser focused on that one. But this is probably the year I'll get out like 170 and I'm going to screw me up to where maybe I'm just with that one deer. You know what I mean? Yeah, I've been there and it can be quite infatuating. It, it's, uh, I love to follow specific deer and, and watch their habits, whether that's through through cameras or personal observations, watch them grow and try to kill them when they're mature. There, there's something special about that. But like I said to you earlier, um, trying to learn a new piece of ground and just find mature deer in such a monotonous area. So I'm going to try to be a little bit more specific we go through. So let's let's stick to the Northwoods of PA just for now. Um, you know, you can relate well to the Allegheny Plateau um, you know, I've hunted some more rugged terrain. We've kind of had a mix uh, in our conversation between the two of us. So uh, let's get into that time frame when you're out of work mode sometime in October. Uh, bear, you know, go through um, one of those places that, you know, you, you just want to divest, whether it's near camp or somewhere up there that um, you're going to take from mid to end of October and kind of walk me through the process of, uh, good locations and I, I I think you're probably what I'm looking to, to go for is what does that look like through the three seasons we have here in Pennsylvania archery season into rifle season into late season and I'm kind of mm-hmm. queuing in on archery season right now as that's going to be coming up closest to us um, what I, what I want to know the most is do you see a mature buck's time spent in some of these locations that you brought up earlier in our conversation change as the hunting season goes on. Um, I'm really trying to figure out from my own personal well-being if, if I'm better off um, spend putting all my, my eggs into one basket in certain locations I get deer, good deer on cameras. It's so hard for me to judge uh, when to move and when not to move. So, I mean, with, with all my rambling that I just went on, I mean, take me through um, finding – uh, some of the good spots in those big woods in archery season and how that looks throughout October into November? Well, um, previous year's experience always helps. So this year I was up uh, camp last weekend, checked five cameras, all does. But, I, I mean, yeah, you like seeing them big bucks, but it was areas that I know the bucks are going to be there. I think maybe because that's where the doe are. So in general, summertime, I kind of get my cameras you know, they, in the national forest, you're not allowed to use minerals anymore. And I used to run minerals. So maybe using scrapes or, you know, wherever browse, uh, maybe the clear cuts. And I feel like these areas, 
the well, I know these areas of the bucks are going to be there because they're dough now, but last year I had luck with them. So, I mean, for the most part, I find some scrapes, maybe a community type scrape summertime and in, in, in just maybe on edges of clear cuts or where you find browse some open areas in the woods, wherever you see them feeding, um, maybe near a creek. Usually a buck would be within a few hundred yards of a creek at some point in this day, two, three, four days of his life, I feel. Um, but then as you get into archery season, um, you know, maybe, maybe them areas were picking up does, maybe the bucks move in. So I think with a lot of the cutting that's there, if, if I feel like and you're not, the foliage hasn't left yet, you know, it still can be, have some decent cover to where, I think you can have a crack. Me and my buddies always say, like, the first week, first week archery, maybe before hunters get in there, you know. But then that's intel you maybe get from your cameras. You know, if you got a few cameras in a, in a cut that a buck visits, um, he might be summertime living or he might still be in there. You know, he might be a little more cautious because hunt season's in, but you can get a crack at him. Um, but I feel like, NPA, I know that they, they have that muzzleloader, early muzzleloader in, in October, and I felt like that starts the, uh, the downward spiral, like as far as the pressure. Um, but I use that to my advantage. So I've, I've seen deer just kind of maybe hit them cuts at night or right at daylight, you know, and then get down into maybe a creek bottom or or somewhere that there's and there's one thing these mature deer like they're still feeding this is the time of year they're they're putting on them last little bit of pounds so like this year i'm going to start focusing on um whether it's october leading up into november probably more october like i feel like there's these areas that maybe the pressure's pushing these deer but he's still getting up i picture him in my brain getting up and milling around four or five times a day and still feeding so find yourself some food that he's going to not saying I've seen them starve all day, like, but more or less like maybe in a winter, maybe in different States to where it'd be like maybe an ag field and I'd see him no, not no mass, but they just hid in the woods and until they can get up there at night. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I feel like in the big woods of Pennsylvania, I feel like they're good. There's somewhere moving during the day in some place. So try to find if you feel like he moved out of the area that doesn't have the uh, the cuts, you know, and there's this nook that you think he's going to hide. I'd say that he's probably feeding throughout the day, you know. So like in that situation, you might want to get in there before daylight. You know, if you find this one deer I was hunting, he was probably six years old, eight years old. I don't know. And he was I caught him in a cut and then he just then I remember the last camera I left in the cut, like October 10th, 12th, 14th. He scraped it and rubbed it. He never come back. Like, never come back. Maybe, right, I caught him. And then I get guys in there hunting him, rubs the scrapes. And I caught him down in a creek bottom, just on a hillside where there's a lot of browse. He was living there. And then, um, but that's that's definitely something to look for. But I think that transition for me is like you're getting around to the 14th, 12th, 14th. You're starting to get some cooler weather, some hunters, muzzleloader hunters. and It's game on. And, and, and so I feel like that's the time um, that a deer 
might start moving to just a secluded area that the hunter they don't want to be bothered but still has food mm. you know it might be so keep an eye out i know the area up there where i hunt there's a lot of browse even in the big woods like tea berry and like the wild berries that grow on the ground or, or um blackberry briars in, in the open areas you know and they'll even nip on some ferns and just a variety of plant life you know um but then you know you get into the 20 25th 26th you know there's i, I saw a fawn up there big fawn so i know and i know they that there's few does that come in the heat you know around the 25th so um that that might be something you want to start looking so the cameras i said that i got running now and i'm cuts and I'm getting does in different areas um that might be a good spot for him to check you know starting to look for does checking scrapes um and the one area so i get got to know my area pretty well and it's like there's a road that runs north and then one breaks off to the east and it's kind of a flat um and the wind is out of southwest blowing up through here and it's flat and then the hill it drops off the you know, maybe a hundred or so yards back in the woods, it drops down into like what I call no man's land. But the top, there's brows, there's uh, the, all along the road and clear cuts, and that's where the does are. And, and I think that strong southwest wind, them bucks just drop down into like no man's land. And um, they're totally safe. Like if a car stops, you know that that's where they're at or then the, the wind's blowing down so like there's different situations i find out there that i feel like i see the woods differently than a lot of people like i feel like no one can even a lot of people just like have no clue you, you know what i mean like that they, they, but, but i'm like man this got everything working for these deer you know so i uh in that no man's land there's a lot of browse but you, there's not trails down there so it's just like I feel like they're living down there. Might be two or three bucks living down there, milling around during a day, and then they're going to come up somewhere where it is a couple drainages that start a main creek. So that's why, um, as the hill drops off, it kind of like parallels the roads, the one to the north and the east, you know. And it's only like not even a hundred foot drop, and it's like north and east, and then we're just like starting fingers, you know. And then thermals drop, and then bucks are down in there, and it's like, like in my head, like all my years of scouting, I said I don't. I'm just going to get on one of them drains maybe down there, um, maybe find like a half-assed trail, like a plate, not even a trail where they cross them drains because I feel like I feel like I can picture these bucks, and they're not going to run into each other down there because if you get a four- or five-year-old and them does are up on that top, it's living well along the road. You see does along the road and fawns, and then bucks know that if you can get down in there with them, but you you don't you're not access ain't coming up the hill because you come through a jump you like the only human pressure would be from the top of that road dropping down in and it's like and then with that southwest wind if it's steady it's calm down in there but the thermals are going to drop in the evening you know what i mean and it's like they're not going to go up there till the thermals are right but they're just going to stew around down there you're just like you know getting close to the rut um but it's like a situation like that i found like that's all i needed to see you know what i mean yeah um it's like I find myself in different, and then there's like another area that's a flat, a clear cut. That um, it's like an east-west cut, 
and it parallels the east-west road and it's flat and there's like a little bump in a cut that heads up north toward the uh, the road and I've killed deer there and the southwest wind blowing out of that cut and, and that all along that stretch of hard road it's a pretty well-traveled road there's like no parking spots and I feel like I catch bucks in between the road and that cut if the, the road's only 120 yards from that cut and I the bucks just kind of cruise the edge of that cut right through that tip that it sticks out into the bigger forest a piece of cut like I mean it's a no-brainer you can kill a buck in that situation and it's a situation where I can sit in that spot and have the wind blowing out toward the road get up 20 some feet and just watch them bucks and they're just trying to smell but no one ever parks on that road it's like a different situation I find these deer that you know, this other roads I was talking about is more of a gravel road, and there's a couple parking spots and pull off, and I feel like more like intimate where, you know, they, they're there knowing what's going on. The other one was like a hot, like, you know, it's just a two-lane road, but cars just fly, and no one really parks along the road. So this is a different situation I'm finding, but that other first one I'm talking about, it's like, and there's a lot of flats, a lot of cuts, different habitat, 20-year-old cuts, four-year-old cuts up and in flats, and I'm like, but when you get that southwest wind, and like I said, as that drain starts, and I'm talking like the road that runs north a few hundred yards and like 500 yards this east on that side, and it's just like a big bowl down in there, and, and they're going to get, they're down in there, and, and they're going to access all them cuts on top, you know, probably at night or close to evening. But the thermals, they're just using their nose. It's like they, they know that no one's there, you know, so it's like, and then were the cuts that everybody hunts and, and that. And then and my, the one was my buddy was hunting. And like I said, no one's been in there. He caught a good deer in there this year. During, but it was like November 10th. But um, there's and I call them, that's some spots like they're totally safe down there. Yeah. Like like they don't take chances with their life. And, and no one's coming up through that. It's like a jungle. It's probably 400 acres down there that no one's even ever going to be down there. Maybe rifle season guys put a drive on. Right. But, and, it's, and it's like, and I even... To hunt it, I think I've even before daylight. I went in once last year. I had hardly any time to hunt. I parked way down the road. Well, it wasn't. It's a paved road, but it, um, I parked way down. Just walk in a dead calm morning with a heavy frost, just trying to walk. Your boots just make noise in, in that flat. It's only a hundred some yards in there toward that drop off. They're just laying like listening. It's like so. I think like this year. I said, well, if I hunt that. I'm going to walk up the road in my wool socks and then before I cut in the woods, you know, if I, if I go in before the daylight, cause then you got the thermals coming up at, you know, that ridge, they might be hanging, you know, you, they might be, um, hanging out on that flat. It's pretty big before it drops down in there. Um, and then you don't have to worry about your thermals, but I thought maybe if I can get down in and cut a couple of them little drainages that are starting that Creek and just cut. And it's not, there's not no like, it's more like like hot like this is going to be a good hot spot you know like like I can't I'm not there's 400 acres down there but he doesn't have to go way down in that he don't have to go down in the middle of that I used to think well, he's down in the middle of that way down in there no they're just you see how mature deer are lazy they barely run you know their walks like he's right he's just down that cliff and just milling right in there like there's that like right there. And if he ever, someone comes in, he's going to run down on that. So there's just like that area. It's like a, not even maybe a 50 foot drop off, you know, down um, from that flat. 
it's like a big bowl, like huge, real gradual, you know, and he's just going right. I can just picture them bucks just, and I, can, I can't even narrow it down to where he bets because it's a lot of cover. But just like a situation like that, like I'm starting to learn, like, you know, just seeing that, you know, I, 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 I don't know where he's betting, but I feel like with the hunting pressure, um, this is a good area because that flat is accessible. There's different roads up there and stuff like that. So, but that's starting to see, like, I'm starting to see stuff like that. Um, it's nothing to do with scrape, rub, not nothing. Just where they're safe, that little, where, where, and it's a big knuckle. But it's like, we're safe. I could be safe here all day. You know what I mean? It's like, when it comes from hunting pressure, you know, if it wasn't a hunting pressure, if that road wasn't there, they could probably lay right on that flat all day and mill around. But, um, you, so I, I've gathered a lot from this and I, I, there's a, there's a lot of aspects about deer and deer behavior that we as hunters follow, but one of my biggest takeaways, and I've heard you talk about this in other conversations is, is pressure is everything to you. And you're always looking for the safest place where nobody will go. And you, you've mentioned a couple of times in this conversation that you'll try to use hunting pressure to your advantage. W- would you mind enlighten us a little bit more detail in your mind, what that looks like specifically? I mean, you've talked a little bit about avoiding some areas, but what is using hunting pressure to your advantage look like? Um, in, in a in a little bit more detailed sense, I think uh, if you see cameras, stands, um, foot traffic, you know, and and I talked earlier about um, how scouting now it's a different to me it's like different um, scouting. Like I always said, hunting is the worst thing you could be doing because you're 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 being that predator that freaks them out. Not you know when you're hiding in a tree or whatever. We could stand and stare at an area for four hours. You'd be up in a tree, and then the wind blows this way, and he's like, "Whoa, that just messed my whole thing up." You know what I mean? There's something bad about juju about hunting. So you start seeing a stands or where, you know, I look at like maybe bright eyes that people, but sometimes they leave them in a tree for years. You know, so um, just like insignificant clues that you might see that maybe trees marked up, or you find like everything that looks. Sometimes it's something so good, too good to be true, you know. So, and you got a nice scrape or something, everything's looking good. And then you start looking for trees or where guys cut trees, you know. Then I try to age them. Like, no, this this tree's been cut five years ago. This, you know, this, this is a whole new deer probably. And, you know, this guy's gone. So then, like I said, or I didn't say the, the one year I found a pretty hot spot. Uh, just a swampy area it was rubbed up, and then the next year, I, no, it was I found it. It was found. It was rubbed up, and then I went back next year, September, rubbed up bucks everywhere. And I started hunting, and it's just like this ain't making sense. There's no, I'm not seeing shit. Mm-hmm. Right. We're walking through the woods, and then like I said, okay. And I found his camera. Then I went. Then I went up the ditch. I found a ladder, and it's like ah. Oh, Man, you know, it was just someone else found. Not, I'm not saying you can't find good spots that no one's in that, that has everything, man. It's good scrape, good rubs, I guess, beds or whatever it might be, the food's here. You can find it out there, but if you're hunting an area with some pressure, chances are someone else might find that area. And it's just like, I just, I'm done because it's the hunting pressure. It's, it wasn't like it was October and someone just scouted and hiked through, and, and, and but these guys are sitting in their tree stand and that. But, 
you know, it's just little clues like that or where someone's parking a lot or, you know, there's even times I just ride up the road, see where the guys are hunting. You know, and there's, there's times I went, just went down the road and said, okay, there's guys hunting here. I'm not going to go. I, I know the area well enough. I'm, I'm going to go somewhere where I could. Sometimes it's just like, I just want to get away from people. Because sometimes like them deer, maybe if there's not a lot of coverage, it's like, I just want to, like a big, I just want to get away from these people, you know? Um, but yeah, just the little clues to see if, um, that you could learn to see if, that, that know if someone's hunting an area. You know what sure. I mean? The, definitely the tree stands, the foot travel, um, all that stuff. But like I said, then you just gauge how, oh, this been here for, this tree was here forever. No one ever hunted. And I, I go over and look at the steps, see if there's mud on the steps, see if the leaves are flat, if someone had been standing there. You know what I mean? I really investigate everything, hmm. you know, um, to see if it's being used. Because usually, likely, it's being used, you know, the odds are going to go down if you know the situation or if it's that situation where you got the right, everything's perfect. You know, maybe you're watching some type of funnel or something and they're traveling and maybe the guy could sit there every day and, and uh, he can got a good access, you know, but chances are you're a little invasive and hunting that spot and and when you know a lot of times in the areas that i hunt the wind swirls and you get a guy hunting the same area outside of the you know right maybe you could sit in the same spot every day it might be a buck from two miles away so that doesn't mean don't ever hunt there yeah you know like i'm talking about the one buck earlier in a clear cut as he moved and i caught him in that clear cut about november 11th but it was like that's the rut he come up through there because there's a hot doe you know he's he might come through there, but yeah, always um, parking spots if the leaves are matted down or where a guy might walk into a wood to easy access and the leaves are matted like a trail going all the way back in the woods like, oh man, yeah, this sucks. You know, but then again, use that to your advantage because if you got that spot where everybody's going and pounding this spot, he might, be, maybe there's, a, maybe you're down in a bottom and three mountains come together and everybody goes up this mountain. Maybe there's a steep hillside over here and that buck, he just might lay right above the road maybe. 300 yards and just know everything that's going on he knows you know and he's just adjusting you know so i've heard you talk about um spots that get overlooked um and when I, specifically you know it's it's easy to, to get sucked to going back in far but far far and there's nothing wrong with doing that but um i've i've been in situations where I found spots close to the road that were overlooked that nobody was hunting, and I, and I know you have as well. I'm curious, um, is there any consistency that you see in a spot that gets overlooked? Is it something to do with uh, the terrain, the vegetation, something that just says, like, you know, I find this trend. Every time I go in and I find a spot nobody's going into and I'm finding mature deer, this is this seems to be why or is there is there kind of one of those things where you just have to put the boot leather on to figure that out probably more the boot leather but if you can kind of know where people are to find it you know you just start going to where they aren't and it could be just like a couple hundred yards and you you start seeing fresh deer shit shiny deer shit especially in a fall that's on top of the leaves and then people get oh i don't see any signs but you just got a big rainstorm and leaves blow down and you know, covered everything up. Um, you can't see shit. You can't see trails. So that's another thing to be careful. That's why it's good to scout in the fall. I mean, in the winter, because you could just see all that after leaves been down, it's all turned up or whatever stuff's happening. You can see, but when it leaves fall, it's hard to see fresh sign. But as the deer always, if it's a, you know, heavy leaf litter in, in the area, you know, like you see the, the, how the deer where he's feeding and the leaves are turned up. Hey, there's deer feeding here. 
you know, it might be midnight, but you don't know that. Hey, there's some fresh shit. Throw a camera, um, some browsing, or maybe you'll find a scrape, you know, or, or like um, if it's a trail where people near where people are hunting, sometimes it's like after a range, you check and see if you see some tracks. You know, if the deer are walking on, it's like, hey, ain't been a deer on this trail. It's, you know, rain's been down for 24 hours. There's, there's too many guys here. Or maybe, you you know, then you go to an area close by that um, I think nobody's at and the deer will be there. And you might see some tracks, some fresh rubs if it's near the, you know, in the fall. That's that's a that's a big thing. Um, yeah, I, I've seen areas that even have hunters but see fresh, you see the fresh shine in around the hunters, but chances are it's probably nighttime. Or, I mean, he could be laying close by and just put yourself in their shoes. And, you know, people think about reading sign and all this shit. They're just trying to, these animals are just trying to survive. That's the number one goal to them is to survive, to, you know, keep their gene mm-hmm. trouble and keep the herd alive. That's it. So, hey, and it, it can really get simple about it that that I wouldn't like put yourself in their shoes. Like I'm, I'm not going to go back and there's guys hunting there. <laughs> and it might be the least favorable place for you to live, but I'm not going to get killed, you know. So it might be come down to something like that. One of the things that I've I've gathered too, you know, spending plenty of time, and, and let's face it, we can talk strategy and try to be as efficient as possible, but nothing replaces time in the woods and 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 boot leather. I mean, you can't replace that. Um, from my perspective, man, I um I'm a blessed man. I, I got a wife. I got two beautiful children, a two year old and an infant, and I love them to death. But um, I see my time dwindling all the time what i'm spending and uh i'm on a kick right now while i talked about hunting the big woods and trying to shoot a mature deer i'd love to shoot a black bear with my bow and uh mm-hmm. so with that in mind you know pennsylvania now has three weeks where you can spend um and you can shoot a buck or a bear with your bow so i'm going to give you a scenario um because this is something that's probably likely going to happen let's say i'm looking ahead on my sport and forge app and i've got uh i've got a window sometime during that three weeks that i'm going to say you know what this is when i'm going to take my time go up to camp but you know what i haven't been up i haven't been able to check cameras i got them soaking from off season i really don't know where the pressure's been but i know this five day window is when i want to spend the time and i have a you know a couple couple hundred couple thousand acre area i know but uh, take me through if, if I've got five days to get it done and I know decent amount of information, but I don't know the most recent information, the hunting pressure and stuff. How in your mind is that chronological order from go from day one to day five, as far as dissecting where to hunt and then going in for trying to make a kill happen in that five days? What time of year are you thinking? Just, uh, maybe more rut? Um, yeah, I'm little... thinking it'd probably be that rut time frame. You know, with that, let's say that muzzleloader season opens. I think it's like October 15th to 16th. So you know, let's say I get a uh, I get a full range, um, I get a full range movement um, somewhere in the end of October. Let's just go somewhere from that 25th to the 31st around Halloween time. You know, starting to get into that pre-rut time frame. Um, you know, we're probably starting to see an increase in hunting pressure in some of those locations, starting to see bucks on their feet a little bit more with the mindset of chasing does. Um, 
you know, keeping hunting pressure in mind and maybe the little bit of background information. I mean, where, uh, I, 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 I asked you this question earlier and it kind of stems back crossing off areas is just as important. And if I've got, mm-hmm. you know, 2000 acres in mind, I find it hard to go in and, uh, not tiptoe my way into a spot I think might be good and then ruin five days there. And at the end of the fifth day, man, I should have been over in this section of woods. I mean, yeah. how, do you, how do you, how do you go into that, that mindset? Like, you know, do I need to just take that tiptoe mentality out and try to just t- spend a day boots on the ground and not be worried about chasing deer and find the best sign and then hunt it? Or, you know, where, where does your, uh, where does your gut tell you in a situation like that? I think if it's a place that I don't have a ton of like knowledge about, like if like I haven't hunted there for eight years, you know, if it's something like kind of new area I dabbled in and, you know, I got to five days to, to hunt it. Um, I, I think it would help to even drive around, drive on the roads. If, if, if you see, where, where, where do you see deer? There's a lot of times they see deer. Was it, there's there for a reason. You might go right along the road and find a hot spot. Man, look, there's, you know, and you're getting into the time of year if you're like end of October. Um, scraping, you know, starting to doze are damn near in heat or there probably already been one or two in the area that were. So, um, yeah, I would, if you had time, spend a day, just maybe ride around. If it's not like a mountain that you got to travel, you know, hundreds of feet up and around the mountain and this and that, I would, um, I would maybe ride around a little bit, see what you see, you know. You know, if you see some mature does and you get in there, you see, see some fresh, find that fresh sign. Yeah. Walk a little bit to find it because chances are he might be close by. You know, he's laying that sign down. It's that time of year. You're, you're knocking on a door right there. It's time. You might just be able to hunt right along the road somewhere, you know. Um, as far as, like, hiking back into the forest a little bit, whether it's like a, like a bigger mountain, maybe not so much of a plateau, I think um, – Try to know if there is some mast, you know, um, some areas you have the oak. Uh, try to get there, find a good feeding, you know, um, the fresh leaves turned up to shit. Um, then look for that because, you know, chances are there's still going to be some, there's some recent rubbing and scraping, you know, it's not like full-blown rut. Um, find that, that sign, just keep going, you know what I mean? I think that's your, your best bet. Um, Maybe have some. If you're if you're just studying a map, you don't have a few things happening, um, whether it's um, terrain or or, or cover, um, different age cuts, different, mm. just something different going on where lots happening. They can benefit off of different types of habitat to come together and check that. Or or if you do know it's master. Um, I think your best bet is because the leaves are just recently fell. I think you want to get out and um, uh, you, you might hike all day with your bow. You might spend a day, burn a whole day, and then hunt them next four days. Maybe pick two spots or one spot and say, I got a favorable wind. I can hunt this. Man, there's deer hopping here. They're feeding here. Man, there's some fresh scrape. Look, they just pissed in this. There's just shit in here, man. You get your Spartan Forge out back out. Okay, maybe he's right there, you know. And, um, yeah, that's what I would do. Like, scout, know, know all you can. He might take you into the second day. If you don't, if you're not finding, I'd rather hunt two days, three days in a bomb, one or two bomb spots than 
sit four days and then start scouting on the fifth day when you're pissed off and you ain't seen shit, you know? Yeah, that's been me more times than not is uh, getting pissed off and, and starting to explore uh, toward the end and going, man, I really missed out on this. And I, I think what it is, is I, I, I've gravitated towards, uh, got some areas with some large chop-offs and uh, different age chop-offs, anywhere from that 10 to 15-year-old cuts to anywhere from that zero to, to five-year cuts. And, you know, they obviously hold deer. It's it's almost like a giant food plot in the middle of the, of the yeah. woods up there. Mm-hmm. And I've I've been in situations where I've been in them and had good success, and I've been in situations where I found the backside to be where the, where the deer were, were getting, kind of like you just described. I mean, as you were describing uh, the, the, the scenario of the deer in the bottom, uh, yeah. those, uh, those, those deer just waiting for that, that evening, that thermal to pull and, and just feeling safe. You know, I can think back to the, my, my good nine pointer I killed is the same thing. I mean, it was, it was down in a, in a big bowl and a cut. And I, I went in after pass the chop off down in and kind of still hunt my way down through and, uh, you know, getting away from that hunting pressure. And I can relate to that, but I, I have this mental blockade when it's with the bow that I got to go about it differently than you do when you got a gun in your hands. And I'm not sure why I got that blockade. I, I have this, uh, thought that I've got to be in a tree and I got to, I got to be there. But so many times I'm, I'm going on, uh, history, which isn't always the worst thing, but, uh, history can sometimes bite you if you don't know what's the, what's the freshest right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think like you said, that's a good point that when you, uh, when you got your bow, you think you know, you're in a tree. I do enjoy being in a tree with a bow and just like being totally quiet and listening and come and watching everything unfold. But yeah, I mean, if you can get down and especially getting in on a rut, you can, you can hike around with your bow and, you know, if it's wet, if, you, if it allows windy, you might be able to just hike a little bit and, you know, like we said about spending a day or two, you might be able to take your bow and hunt, hike. Man, this is a good spot. I'm just going to sit on the ground for a little bit, you know, clear. I like to get behind like a tree, kind of where I, or around it like a half moon, clear the leaves, because I like to maybe, if I think the deer's coming that way, just use the tree as like a hiding position, you know, if, you're, if you can do something like that to get down and, I mean, to, to scout and maybe slash hunt, you know, on a hoof, on a, on a wood, if you get into some hay, or uh, go get a stand and jump in, I'm getting up in this tree, this feels right, you know, and it goes back to knowing trusting yourself but it is like a, a balance to where you know like I, I always talk about in different podcasts I don't hope for anything in life you know and I hope one day I kill a big duck buck I hope one day um, I'm gonna make enough money to get to go no I, I know I'm gonna make it happen you know make it happen know um, know what's going on out there don't don't I used to when I was younger man I just sit there in my tree and Man, I hope a deer comes by, you know, like that. I hope his big buck comes by. And I wasn't even in maybe the probably not the best spot. I was just leaving everything up to hope. And I was just like in my mind picturing a buck coming through. You know, and then you get to that last day. It's like, man, I shouldn't even been here. This is not a good spot. <laughs> so, I mean, you can maybe use a little hope, but I don't. It's like, and that's why I said the last few years. So now I think it helped me that I know. But it's it's that fresh sign and all the things going on, you know. If if you're just scouting, you know, and you have a few days, man, it's you know, it's like 
this is it or the deer here you know i can get the wind right and you know i can see some scraping activity rubs i jumped a couple of deer cool this is it let's let's try it out you know for sure so i i think i want to shift gears a little bit I mean, we talked a lot about archery and digging into the fall and i know you love bow hunting i mean you probably arguably that's one of your favorite things to do am i wrong in saying yeah. bow hunting but uh you spent a ton of time diving into the late season in pennsylvania uh whether it was a bow or with the flintlock and uh i feel i i it's it, my experience chasing a lot of the whitetails i've been after it's almost like the uh the doors close on rifle season and it yeah. seems like it becomes a ghost town for finding mature deer in my experience and uh there's been times where i'm wondering where the heck they go i've had experiences where i've i've been running into them but just couldn't connect on them it's a tough time to hunt um i feel like you can go miles without finding something and all of a sudden you 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 get into uh, a hot spot and mm-hmm. i'm curious you know in your experience hunting big woods in late season do you see a lot of the mature like even if you're talking in a specific deer do you see those mature deer relate to the same areas in late season that they did earlier or do you see more often than not they're going to maybe a, a shift of some sort whether that's winter food or or maybe hunting pressure pushed them into this other other ridge or something like that like what's what's been some of your uh your experiences along those lines I think kind of area I am in PA, uh, thermal cover, you know, maybe some hemlocks or pines. If, if the weather's bad, you're getting into some snow winter. Um, I feel like they gravitate toward that. Um, I've, I've seen deer, um, sometimes mature deer that kind of hurt up with a few bucks. I've seen them be loners, but I feel like there's a certain areas they, they'll, you'll catch bucks there. Like I know there's going to be a buck in this area this year. And it, it, I feel like it's thermal cover down out of the wind. That's the biggest thing trying to save some energy, you know, um, as far as some mountain areas, you know, they, they don't have areas that don't have the thermal coverage, maybe some more rugged or open woods. Um, maybe just like, out of the wind or, or, or whatever, it, it depends. But I think the areas that I hunt is definitely, when it gets pretty nasty, there's some definitely thermal cover involved. Um, and as far as where they are earlier in the year, I feel like there's a transition during rifle season um, to where I, honestly, I don't even know where the hell they go. Yeah. It's, you know what I mean? It's like, where are they? Um, but then the snow falls, and I feel like they're in I feel like there's a winter time a shift after the rifle weather. I feel like they're just hiding, totally like hidden, um, for a bear in the rifle, to where they have a hiding spot and they're just going to go there and hang out there. And then I feel like you got an easier chance in late season um, because. But there is starting to be a lot more pressure muzzleloader, but um, and I even seen them searching for does still yet in December into January. Uh, let their guard down a little bit, move back into areas that you could maybe hunt easier, not in that totally hidden spot. Then the snows, you know, all that are trying, you know, you got the snow to help you find them. Um, 
but um, even hurt up a little bit and use other deer to their advantage, whether it's spikes or does. Um, but I think uh, sometimes I just do a lot of hiking and find tracks. I was going to say, what some of the, the, the tools of the trade that I would think of when it comes to late season would obviously be boots on the ground. Um, but, you know, cameras, you know, we, we didn't even really talk yeah. about cameras a ton. Um, a lot of time I've been using cameras to soak in, and I find that one of the times I overlook camera information is late season, is that later time frame in January. And I'm kind of curious, um, I'm, I'm assuming you've used tracks to your advantage to find some of them hiding places over the years. Um, you know, what other tools of the trade have you really found to be your way of at least getting back on track on mature deer in late season uh, from boots on the ground, following tracks to, uh, you know, cameras, camera strategies, stuff like that. I mean, food is their number one priority. Food and cover is still like out of, out of the wind or, or whatever. But if you can figure out what they're feeding on, I said, like I said, some places in the Midwest, I hunted or whatever, they would just kind of like the ag was the only thing, you know, but when you're talking about a browsing animal, um, find out what they're, they might be hitting a clear cut at night, maybe down in a, a lot of places that, that in PA, they eat ferns, dig up the roots of the ferns and in mm. the tops of the ferns. It's a big thing. If I could find that, um, usually you'll find them scratching. Um, but um, food, what are they feeding on? But still, like I said, when you get into browsers, it is different because it might be. I'm definitely in a winter, winter food sources still some um the ends of maybe saplings or, or you know the tips trees or, or, or the blackberry briars or whatever but ferns they'll, they'll dig up on hillsides you know and i, I found hillsides a lot i think it's just because they they use uh the gravity in their noses they're facing uphill their heads closer to the ground and they get paw they're just really efficient you know i think steeper hillsides it's easier to paw the snow off of steeper hillside than a flat and get to the food you know um and i even seen them some uprooted trees and stuff how they you know there's not snow on there they'll go to an uprooted tree if there's snow on the ground but it ain't covered there they'll eat right there or on a boulder face of a boulder or underneath a boulder. you know what i mean it's just like however they can find food easily um but yeah in pennsylvania um definitely see whether it you know even if you have to drive a lot of times if there's a fresh snow i'll get up at 4 a.m and drive around maybe mm -hmm. catch them and might be into the thing where they're feeding up in the clear cuts at night then going down during the daytime um but then they don't do usually don't do a lot of moving because i mean after the rut that they're just recovering and, and the food is isn't as abundant as it was early in the fall and, or fall time into the winter mm. um so if you can get on to something, chances are you might be there. You know, you, you, you may be able to hunt that because you could, it's not the rut to where he's running around, you know, and the covers, the snow tells you everything. It's like a clean slate. So if you can kind of, um, yeah, find that food and, and uh, find his tracks, chances are he's not going to, and then do, if you have a few days, a lot in the past, I'd only have like two or three days. You know, it was it. And sometimes you need that. 
you know, you find what, you know, took me a day or so to find that animal. And then it's like a day or so to hunt and I'm done. But um, it's nice to have a four or five day window, even if you can do it in late season. Or um, sometimes, a lot of times I find myself just watching the weather. Like, and I see what the, like, for the fresh, soft snow, you make your muzzleloader hunting. There's all kind of situations you find yourself in. Is the wet snow? Is it the dry snow? Are the limbs covered? Can you see in the forest? I mean, is this good tracking snow? Or is it crunchy? Is it froze? Can you even get in the forest? You know, it's calm. It's like, you know, there's a lot happening out there just with the snow and the weather that that I really look look into. You know, it's nice to have like a soft snow. Maybe the limbs, you know, the snow's been blown off. I usually wait a day or two. Um, if ideal, then they're putting some sign down, some tracks. Then you can get out and see where they've been the last day or so because if they are let better through the, the storm and you know might be the day after they're still kind of not moving a lot then the second day they're going to start moving more and putting that sign down and um, you can probe around if the if the snow's soft if you know and you get that warm melt and crust on the top that makes it difficult just to get in there especially because an area that they're not uh moving a lot and they're just hanging out in a, in a little area you might bump them right out of there you know so always watch the weather and try to find and there's times i've been in different states watching the weather and i drive 10 hours eight hours just to get a different state because you know i got some snow coming you know for late season i could that's my biggest thing i mean it's like follow the snow yeah the snow is the biggest thing to help you find that animal i mean I walk mountains just with a bow just to find where one's hanging out, you know, find his tracks. And then that's it. You know, chances are he ain't moving. He's not moving miles. He's going to hang out there. You know, you can really isolate where they're at. So. I think one of the biggest things I've taken away is I'm just not putting enough boot leather in some of the areas that I need to to really navigate. I get I get sucked in to locations that have been historically good. Maybe I've got camera information. Maybe there is sign. There was sign, stuff like that. And it's so easy to just get sucked in and really want to um, invest into those spots because at some point you just believe it has to pan out because of, of those those pieces of information. And uh, I think it's really causing some some issues in the long run missing out on, on other opportunities. Yeah, I mean, if it's something you believe, like if you feel that strongly, you got to be like, ask yourself in your brain, do I truly believe? Maybe it is past experience. I know them spots. I had people had good experiences. If you truly believe, like deep down or in your mind or however you might see it, that that's going to be the spot that you're going to kill a deer. He's going to come through. Then you stick with it. Or are you trying to? It's like a battle in your mind. Is or is this just? Are you telling yourself? trying to coach yourself into believing this is a good spot, you know, or do you need to get down and go find that spot? You know, that's, it's kind of like a thing that you got to figure out for yourself, but I, I know what you're talking about. Historically, it was good. But if you get that little inkling in the back of your brain, like the sign ain't here this year, something's changed. I don't know what I got to move. Sometimes it's just a matter of those moving, not living there. You don't know why they died off. They're not living there. The bucks are not coming to visit. Or this buck's dead. Or the deer, like I talk about deer, like after the hunting season and bucks die and does died and they kind of jockey for a new position throughout the next year. 
of their life. It's a whole fresh start to where this place is abandoned because that guy died off and he don't like it. And I've seen bucks, different bucks live in different areas and use them differently, not the same. Um, it's just how they see it. But um, yeah, the, that's always maybe the food ain't there that year. Maybe someone was hunting and there's a lot to happen and think about when you're out there. But um, yeah, it, I, and I think the last few years just really getting down and just wanting to know more and more wasn't about harvesting an animal that really I think is going to help me in the future. Just, you know, being in different states and different habitats and, and just starting to know and really just watching my cameras and t talking to other people and what they see and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, if there are other spots, I would like, I believe that I can kill a deer there. You know, I have those spots. Um, but then I also have the spots that it's been good every year, but this sucks this year, mm -hmm. you know, could be that. But if you're in the rut, it could suck. And then here come a buck chasing a doe through, you know, I've had them situations like, you know, it's a battle in your head mentally. It's a physical battle. The whole hunting white it's definitely a mental game. It's, it's tough because he could. This I'm sitting and say, ah oh, man, I need to move. And then here come a buck chasing a doe through. Something happens. You know yeah. what I mean? So all the places that you've gone, you know, from Midwest to you know, bouncing around all over the Northeast, um, targeting mature deer. In your mind, is a mature deer a mature deer regardless of where you're hunting him? in the habitats and in the landscape across the country or do you see different trends in different geographies as far as a mature deer and their behavior no i if you know they get to that age where they've been around humans they're sharp yeah they uh they're pretty uh pretty smart they know how to survive and i mean you get some deer get lucky i'm sure um but they always all have, they're that, like Bill said, they're just a different species where they, um, they're living differently, um, to, to survive and, and, and carry on. That's a, it's a similarity how they live compared to the does, the fawns, the, you know, the yearlings, they just don't have to. And I feel like sometimes I feel like it's the, maybe the rack they have on their head or Maybe it's in their head how they're, um, it's, I think it gets to the point where it's easy for them, you know, how to, I don't know. Um, but I feel like they do live similar. Their traits are all the same, you know, to, to survive. They're doing the diff, what's the, they're doing something different, you know? Yeah, I do. I, uh, man, I, I've taken enough of your time, man, tonight. I, I love. I could probably talk to you for another two, three hours, picking your your ear. I'd I'd love to feed you some beers and and just keep yeah. that that conversation going. But man, you're uh, you're also in the middle of uh, busy work time, and I want to be cognizant yeah. of your time. Um, man, do you got anything you want to leave us with? Any any when it comes to the, just all the conversation we talked at, and we we had a real general sense conversation of public land, Big Woods, Pennsylvania. I mean, anything that just stands out to you that you want to leave us with? I think just um, enjoy your time out there. You know, I, I look at myself, I'm 43. How many more ruts have I got? You know, hunting like a fair amount, but it's like it's once a year. Enjoy it. Um, 
I'm not selfish. I'm don't be, you know, um, and I find some guys hunt other hunt. They're so pissed when they see a guy in their spot. I'm like, no, it's not your spot. Just adjust and enjoy. Be glad that you're out there to hunt. Um, but, um, yeah, just enjoy the time in the woods. It's like you get so busy in life, working, paying bills, family. It's all great stuff, but at that time in the woods, just soak it up and be thankful you're you're out there and, and enjoying it. And, and if you're, you know, and it's and it's all each their own. How how bad do you want it? How bad do you want to kill a deer? Like the last few years, I wasn't worried about killing deer, and it's. I don't think there's anybody who could judge you. You know what I mean? Um, who cares what anybody thinks of of, yeah. uh, of what you did, man? I, I don't hunt for anybody other than myself, and you're the same way. Exactly. Enjoy your time, and but take from others and help others. That's the way I look at it. Mm. And that, like people say about that's my spot. Like I've seen guys hunting there, and I feel like I don't care. I still know the area way better than they do. Mm. They're they're probably not the ones going to get the deer anyways, but. Um, yeah, just enjoy your time out there and share it with your friends. And I think that's a, I do get in, there's times I can go alone because you, know, you get into like hunt one deer or just hunt. And I get lost, kind of obsessive. I'll just travel to different states. I won't talk to anybody. I'll just be out there on my own hunting days on the end. And just your mind's just totally obsessing over where to go, studying maps. Should I go to this state? And I do enjoy, I don't know if it's even enjoyable, but it, it's good for my brain to be in that mode. But there's also times you talk about like a PA being up camp and being with your buddies. That's also pretty awesome. I know maybe two weekends ago I was up camp and a neighbor guy stopped. He was 80 years old and he's been going to camp for 60 years, passionate about it. Big deer hunter, even still now at 80 years old, he shot a nice buck, 140 inch last year, mm. rifle Steven, drug it off the mountain himself. And he was, Talked to him about it last year. I didn't know him real good because his camp's down the street a little bit. But, uh, man, it was nice just to have him and hear all his stories and how the forest changed in his 60 years of being there. And It's like, man, that's that's awesome. You know, just take it all in, especially like you said, when you go to camp. Um, take a lot of pictures. And I, I started a journal at my camp because the neighbor guy had one from 1960 at his camp. Every time someone goes up, you're writing a journal. Yeah. You know? So I just started that, and I think that's pretty cool. You know, I read his one night, sat, drank a couple of beers, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, just enjoy your time. So It does. I, I get way too hung. I, I'm, I'm like a lot of people. I'm way too stinking serious about trying to kill the best buck that I possibly can. Don't get me wrong. That's fun, but it, it, it can be exhausting. Like, I remember it's last year grinding out through archery season as hard as I could. Um, after a couple specific deer not making it happen, I remember how it was just so so easy to let go in rifle season. Rifle season was a time I used to not really enjoy so much, and I remember going to camp, uh, being in the in the woods with your buddies and kind of coordinating and really not yeah. having high expectations and just enjoying that time out there. Man, I, I enjoyed that almost as much as anything. It was it was like therapeutic to just let loose and do that and sometimes it's like i gotta find that balance man yeah and you, it's good that you exhaust yourself i know what you mean and then you're happy with what you did like i did all and that's another thing put it all out if that's your choice and the route you want to go you put all you did all you could i didn't kill a deer but 
I gave up my all. So what the results are, I'm happy with. And then getting to hunt and rifle and enjoy it with your friends, you know. For sure. John, again, thanks for coming on. Um, I, I could probably bug you in the future, and I very well could. Yeah. But, man, if, if nothing else, good luck this fall. Um, I hope you uh, hope you take that knowledge and, and uh, put it to good use, man. Hey, thanks, Mitchell. I appreciate it, man.